Good morning. Good morning. Good afternoon here, 12 noon. Uh, so our guest had an emergency, eh? We had Lynn Houston scheduled. She just emailed an hour ago. I'm so sorry for anyone who's here to watch her. Please go to her Facebook page, Life as a Mortician's Wife. You will love it. And a chair for you, which is her page for grief um, at the holidays. It's fun. It's support. It's lots of good stuff. She had a family emergency come up. She's had some family members who were very sick. Um, and so apparently some things have happened. And she said she'll be back another time. So I apologize for anyone who's here for Lynn Houston. She won't be here, but we're here and we're going to still talk about loss and still going to bring in a lot of humor because we need to bring in all the stuff that's Lynn, right? Because that's serious. What we have. You know, and I know a lot of people on my page, I repost a lot of what Lynn posts from uh, Life is a Mortician's Wife. Right. And She has the best ones. Now, some of them she, are serious and somber, but most of them are. Oh, you know when when you are um, when remember when you are burying a body in the backyard, put an endangered plant on top of it so nobody will take it up. That's right. You know, That's right. Or pictures Great of the advice. poison garden, right? So, um, and I put the poison garden on my page because if you are the rebellious widow, you should always have a poison garden on your page. I do believe. <laughs> my goodness gracious you know and by the way if people are just tuning in i'm deb hart and, and i'm jill johnson jill, and uh you happen to be listening or laughing with uh humor grace and grief so where we talk about all things grief and loss but always with a sense of humor we do when it's we appropriate do. because we want people to know that you are certainly allowed to laugh and smile even while there is grief and to bring I, laughter to people who are grieving. And it's okay to be laughing at someone's funeral. It's right. okay in the midst of, I just read something. Where did I read this? Well, let me uh, just say here in Urbana, tomorrow I'm giving a talk at Soul Care. Shameless plug here. Oh, please, uh, yes. Oh, yeah. And it, it it's called Tickle My Heart. And it's really about the integration or intersection of humor, uh, spirituality, and uh, silliness. And so I'm reading different things and stuff. And I don't know where I was reading it, but someone was talking about, you know, they were very nervous and they were delivering a cake to a wedding. And whoever was driving, it might've been her mother, they, they had positioned the cake in such a way it was stable. But then the mom took a turn and all of a sudden the cake went crashing against. So this wedding cake, this three-tiered wedding cake or whatever, and all of a sudden she burst out laughing. And, you know, she sort of said, I should be like upset. Why did I burst out laughing first? And, you know, Laughter is such a relief and release of tension. You know that scene where uh, in uh, Steel Magnolias, where Sally Field's character is just beside herself because her daughter, her young daughter, like 20s or something, who just gave birth to a baby, died, right? Yeah. And, and so she's just in, you know, and then Olympia Dukakis and... Um, 
who's the other one? Wheezy, but she has a stage name, Shirley MacLaine. Olympia DeCosta goes, here, hit her, hit her, release. And all of a sudden, they just started laughing because of the ridiculous, the silliness of the incongruency of what's happening. And look at us as human beings. Um, I'll say our divinity and our humanity. Yes. How we, boom, just start laughing because the brain, the heart, the whatever cannot take in one more ounce of sadness or whatever. And we need and, some space to process and, this, and the laughter will clear some of that space up. And here's something Mike coach said to me this week. Okay, I'm paraphrasing. It's okay to grieve and just cry. And I took that moment this week for some internal losses I've been feeling. And I went, okay. So I got into bed. Oscar the cat, who you see occasionally around here, he curled up right next to me. And I just tried to cry a river. You never really fill a river, but it keeps going. Yeah, yeah. So I just felt horrible and I slept and, you know, I woke up. Sometimes your body just needs to cry itself to sleep like a little baby, you know? And I just want to talk about some losses I'm discovering. You know, Jill knows this, that I talk a lot when there's been a significant loss. And I don't mean just somebody died. I mean losses like uh, change in friendships. Um, change in um, employment, employment, houses of Divorce. All the things. There, there is such a loss of self. Mm -hmm. And we, we don't recognize that as much like Simone Biles one of the I'm sure one of the things is who is she if she's not a gymnast think about that I mean I think you know I think she was thinking about that ahead of time because she's created her gym and she's developing new gymnasts so I think right. she's done some post-loss growth already yes right so what I'm so who are you without that title? Who are you? Which is probably too big of an existential question to ask right here. But who are we? Who am I without that label? And that's that's a tough one. Oh, it is. And, that's why people don't retire. Yeah. <laughs> so am I without my identity, right? And it's never too late to create... I, I don't think there's anything wrong with creating new identities to say I am as long an as artist. You're not taking the social security number with it. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> yes, I'd like John Smith's identity right. because he makes more in social security than I do. Right. So, but I, who are we without an identity that we created for ourselves? And who are we? You know, let's say a parent is dying and then they die. 
So there's the anticipation of loss, right? doesn't matter what age, but all of a sudden your identity as a daughter, well, for me, it would be a daughter or a son. That identity yes. is what, what happened if, if I don't have a mother, how can I still be a daughter? That sounds really simplistic. It's how you shift into making that loss part of your new life and how you grow into that. That's right. How you become who you who you now have to be, right? Right. You know, uh, Jill, you've had to do this a couple a few times. times. <laughs> a few times. I had to do this when I um, was no longer part of the church I was part of. Right. I I had to leave. And then I go, who am I if I'm not a leader in this church? Right. I and I said to a friend this morning, <clears throat> I hear how you're feeling lost and resentful and all these things, but I don't see that as your future. Right. I just support you now in feeling that but I do not hold that as a future for you. So how, so Jill, tell me some ways that, that you have supported people when their identity is shifting, shifting. How do you do that? You must do that a lot. I mean, that's welcome to therapy folks. Right, exactly. You know, <laughs> and one of the things that I've been, I've, there's been a lot of discussion about loss in therapist groups this week. Uh, and I've been busy sending out materials from my courses. Just, you need this, take this here, please yes. take this. You're going to want this. And a lot of what I'm hearing is um, a loss of feeling like they have an ability to do something when they're facing someone who is dying, not with grief because they don't quite have a handle on. So there's that the therapist identities. I'm here to help. I'm here to walk with you. They don't know how to do those things. Or they have a client that they've worked with for a long time and the client has died, you know, a natural death, whatever, an accident. Now, what do I do? You know, I'm supposed to be the helper. Now I'm the one who, what do I do? So I do a lot of work with folks in that realm, as well as with other people when the, especially retirement um, or after the loss of a spouse or a child, how do I identify myself? Because really only widows and widowers get a title. You know, mm -hmm. the adult children who lose parents don't get a title. The siblings don't get titles. And loss of a sibling is a very big deal, um, especially if it's a, a younger sibling. Um, <coughs> loss of a pet, you don't get a title and you don't get paid attention to. Right. So how do we weave that in and change that so that we can see I'm still my child's parent. I'm still my parent's child. I'm still you know, the social worker that I trained to be and worked as for 45 years, even though now I am retired, I'm a retired social worker. Which is still a title. <clears throat> and I still get to use my gifts. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right? So how do we shift those gifts? You're not no longer part of that church or that faith community. There are other ways to share it. What are some things you say <coughs> uh, in the midst of your coughing, of course? <coughs> so Keep sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, no you've got enough fire. smoke and fires and <clears throat> you know heat by you guys. Yeah. Um, what if you can't talk now? That's okay. I, can talk. I 
what are some not just practical i i can you know the nurse in me as well as the uh coach in me has practical advice for people like someone i said you're not getting enough sleep i can't fix that because you're staying with an aged parent drink more water you know i might say right. um take some tylenol um I'm not prescribing it. I'm just saying because of the way it works on the brain, it acts a little as an anti-anxiety. Uh, Adopt a dog. <laughs> yeah. Don't get a puppy right when you're having to take care of a parent. No, but have a senior dog for afterward. Yes. Um, but what are some things that uh, you say to clients when they're having a loss of identity? We Whatever about, it is. We talk about what that identity meant, um, what made yeah. them happy about it. What are they not going to miss about yeah. that identity? Because you know what? Every part of what we do, there's always, there's the yin, but then there's the yang or the yang and then there's yin, whatever you wanted to call it with, right? There's always parts that we really didn't maybe enjoy, right? For social workers, it's writing notes. Nobody enjoys writing notes. It's just not a thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Or writing reports. So what part of that did you enjoy and what part of that now can become part of something else? How do we take that with us and how do we laugh about the parts we didn't like so we can let them go? Because laughter mm -hmm. is part of that loss. Mm -hmm. And and also writing down the stories. What are the stories from all that time mm -hmm. that you want to just write down? You may never share them. And some of them you really can't share no matter what, no matter what you do for a living. There are stories you can't tell. Right. I wish people could write them up here. Like we, if you were, a, I am a such and such and I have a story about this and such that uh -huh. I, wish I could share. Right. We all have those pieces of us. So write those things down. Remember those things. Take the people with you who were part of that identity, who are safe and secure and healthy for you. Don't take the people who are toxic because they don't bring any joy to your life. And. Sometimes for me, I have even been able to subdivide a little bit. Yes, this person is toxic. Uh, let's say it was a boss or something. However, there was this time and then you fill in the blank with the story. Um, what did I learn from the toxic person? What Sometimes you learn what not to do. Sometimes you learn. Uh, I haven't quite gotten this down with toxic people, but I used to say the difference between an RN and, and uh, someone who wasn't an RN was RNs learn to smell the poop before they step in it. <laughs> my late wife's my wife would have said and the lvns more so because the rns send them in first <laughs> <laughs> that's good yeah, you know she was an lvn to rn right yes so, right so i i um what what can you take that makes you laugh you know there were jobs i had that I had to leave because of uh, maybe toxic work environments. Mm -hmm. But I got some of the best stories out of that. 
I have some of my best friends from some of those places. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't make you less of a person is what Jill and I are saying. No. It just changes your title. And sometimes and it twists your sense of humor even a little more to the dark side. Because those of you who survive toxic work environments, you use a little bit of that dark side humor to cope with it and then to exit from it. You know, I, I've told this, maybe I've told this story here, not. But when I was working in the hospital, and I am not a hospital nurse by any means. There are too many rules. I get too anxious. I know I'm going to screw up according to those There's too many eyes rules. on in the hospital. Yeah, yeah. I and, and I get too overwhelmed. So I found other nursing outlets. But when I was in the hospital, <clears throat> this was back in the day, doctors would throw charts, scream at you, male or female doctors, it didn't matter, and uh, very berating people. And so I used to, and I'm just going to say it like this on the broadcast, I used to carry, was about two inches, and I just want to say, if you wound it up, it was a hopping male body part. Oh, very fun. And it wasn't a nose and it wasn't an elbow. Right. Just say about as long as your thumb. Don't make me go there, Deb. Don't go there on the air. Okay, Deb, just right. stop yeah. right, there. right there. Okay. So what I did is I would carry this in my pocket. And when I saw other new, new nurses, because I remembered how crappy I felt as a new nurse. I mean, older nurses, I don't know if it's still the same way, they'd eat their young. I mean, it was horrible. Yes. And so I felt- seeing instructors too. So I had some good nursing instructors. I just wanna say that. I didn't have anybody that ate their young they were very kind to me. Nice. But anyway, the reason why I'm saying this is I would take, when I would see, we had long tables for charting and cause everything, there was no computer paper. stuff, paper. It was all paper. And so that nurse might be crying or just about ready to cry or whatever. I would take that hopping male body part out <laughs> and I would, wind it up and I'm going to see if I can do this in the screen. It would, hop I would make over. it hop across, which you're looking and you hear a sound that click, 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 click. And then you look and you go, is that what I think it is? I mean, there's like this interesting delay. And then there's like a, <laughs> like that, which in that, <laughs> is when things can shift, if only for a moment. It takes your brain pattern out of the sad and moves it someplace else. It moves it someplace, it's that incongruency, like I am really not seeing a hoppy male body part right in front of me that another nurse displaced, and it is walking by me on this table. And so after they laugh, I would say to the person, was that doctor a hopping male body part? <laughs> were they a nose and you can see very clearly that is not a nose were they uh elbow that is not an elbow and it would just make the joke and the silliness and the incongruency 
last a little longer so they could compose themselves and then compose the notes. And it would make them realize they had chosen the right career. They weren't going to walk away from it. They just needed to learn how to cope with some of the people that were involved in the career. Right. Which is part of it, right? I had a moment like that. And I, where the person I was assigned to coded before I even admitted them and they died. And it was very traumatic. So the next day, I said to one of the intern doctors, I pulled him by his tie and I pulled him down and I looked him in the eye. And I said, you give me this or this or this or I'm not touching your patient. Understand? And he's like. <laughs> and that was a moment for me to redefine. I felt so lost the day before. Right. Because my patient died before I admitted them. They coded and died. There was nothing I could do about it. It was a blood clot in the lung. It was going to happen. So, yep. you know, and when I worked for hospice in um, the South, we um, typically hospice staff attended funerals for patients. Um, because we didn't have the crazy caseloads that most hospices have these days. And um, so most of us would turn out, and especially if it was a, a patient we'd had for a while, which means like more than a week, mm -hmm. because you bond to people when you're part of their dying process and you bond to their family. And so we would go, but typically hospice sat in the back. And we were, in fact, sad that the person had died. We were glad we'd given them a good death. We were glad we'd been there to support. But we also knew we were what we were going to hear at the funeral. Because if our chaplain was doing the funeral, the same story was told each and every time. Now, they knew they talked about the person who died. They were respectful. But each and every time, this one illustration was always used. And it had to do with a boat in a lake with a lightning storm and big waves and um, a parent protecting the child. And it was about the chaplain. And so those of us in the back, after making sure nobody was watching us, <laughs> would act out. Here comes the wave. <laughs> comes the boat, there it goes, falling into the water, lightning crack, right? And we would act it out because we weren't, we weren't being disrespectful. We were taking some humor moments at a time when we were there to be respectful of someone's death, but we needed to lighten it up for ourselves because we were going to leave there and go take care of someone else, you know, right. right then. And occasionally pagers, yes, pagers would go off on buzz and we would exit quietly because somebody else was at that point needing us right then and there. Right. So there is that humor point that gives you a chance to be able to, you know, take a step back and recognize you're there for somebody, but you also can let your brain take a little bit of a relax, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. is actually something Amy, Dr. Amy Parks is going to talk about next week. We do have a guest. I am absolutely certain she will be here. Um, and she talks wonderfully about the way the brain works and makes it funny and understandable. And even though I've had neural anatomy three times, um, I always learn something new from her. Uh -huh. So um, I'm certain everyone else here and she has the best sense of humor. We laugh all the time. Now we laugh sometimes with really bad language and we won't do that live. <laughs> Deb and I will do that with her afterwards probably, but we will not use the bad language live. But yes, she's hysterically funny to talk to. She has bright red hair and she's just a lot of fun. So I hope everyone comes and learns a lot from her. But yeah, the brain changing is how what humor does. It gives us that break, that uh -huh. moment. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, just it humor 
and laughter give us the breath. Right. You might not laugh out loud, but there's a pause. There's mm -hmm. like a difference. There's like a flip switch in your brain, seeing something from a completely different perspective, which that is what humor can do. And um, the folks who use that are, are healthier and they do better and they cope better. And, and that's why we do this program, because we want people to incorporate humor into even the hardest times. Right, right. And to allow the possibility for humor. Now, there are some people I know that everything is inappropriate. And, uh, you know, my heart goes out to them because right. they live this very uh narrow life that i bet they themselves cannot live up to mm -hmm. and uh <clears throat> you know one of my favorite hospice stories and i'm sure people who've been watching this a long time have heard this once before but we had a hospice family um here in california who had a parakeet of some parrot a talking bird of some sort right one of those big things in the cage but not a menacing one and he used to live in the breakfast nook and we had grandma on our service. And then we had um, the son on our service who was in his late sixties um, when he was dying. So we were in that house twice. The day that grandma died, we were, you know, hospice days. You are there to help the family, you know, give them something to eat, make sure they're drinking something of their choice. And then um, wait for the mortuary to come and take the person into their care and sort of smooth things out, right? So the team generally stays if the hospice is doing things the best possible way. At that point, we realized what grandma had been doing in that breakfast room all the time she'd been sitting there with her coffee while the kids were at work, kids being almost retirement age, son and daughter-in-law. Because as she was being taken from the house, we heard her voice from the breakfast room coming out of this bird's mouth. And it sounded just like her. And it said, help me, help me, I'm dying. And that bird kept that up the whole time she was leaving. She had programmed that bird. And then she laughed, which meant the bird was laughing because she knew what she had done. That's the kind of humor that I really like. And I'm going to have to find a way to do that. But I don't have any talking birds. My bird refuses to talk. But I, you know, we if we can take those moments, and she knew she was facing her death, but she still found a way to leave part of herself and her humor behind, live and in person. That's in right. Emerge. She right. knew. She, she knew. knew. So she and she knew her son would laugh, right? And then while he was in the hospital bed in the same room, she kept saying it, and he was like, "Oh my god!" And I have to go see her after this, right? <laughs> I will get her. That's you know, the way we should be. It's, it's interesting how there's these remnants of people that have left our lives with their uh, tone, their mannerisms. Uh, and I don't know if anybody else has this experience. It might make you chuckle. It might weird you out. This has happened to me several times friends or family have died but yet i'm in a store and maybe 10 15 people away looking from the back it looks just like in my case 
I, after my mother-in-law died, I saw her driving a car and I saw her in a grocery store line and I go, no, no, no. But yet that remnant, that feeling of what's there, that, that laugh that you might hear that was uniquely your mom or dad's or even a coworker or a friend, and then you hear it someplace else. And it just makes you go down all those sulcuses in your brain and then lands in your heart mm -hmm. that makes you feel good with that memory or that trigger or whatever. So absolutely. Yeah. And as we are now facing COVID coming back up, folks, because you know we're not going to do this show without a mention of COVID since that's mm -hmm. where we started. Let's keep the humor and let's find some ways to enjoy life, even if things are heating up where you are. And if right. you are taking yourself home more now because it's not as safe as we all thought it was, or we hoped it could be more like that, hoped mm -hmm. it could be, then let's find a way to keep that sense of humor and laugh more when we can, not less. Mm -hmm. And to use that to make this survivable because we've done this now for 18 months. We can certainly do it a little while longer as we learn to cope with this virus and make it part of our lives and not let it take our lives. So be careful out there and wear your mask and laugh because we need to laugh as we're dealing with all of this. Wear your mask. Wear your vaccinated. mask. There are, I, I know there are people genuinely that for whatever reason cannot get vaccinated. Right. Mm -hmm. If that's the case, please stay home. Be careful. Right. We've all gotten really good at ordering in. Find something really good and order it in. If that's it's a right. really bad day, you know, I will sometimes look at the Red Lobster menu online because <laughs> you know there's just that part, but they don't have much gluten-free, so I don't actually order. But there's that piece. Yes. So I order something from the store and I make it. Right? That's That's right. Uh, by I the way, their salmon, all their fish that gets broiled, you can eat and they serve it on rice. They do. You have to be careful that the restaurant actually doesn't mix things though. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not that. the place. No, no. I have to say that, you know, my, my, um, father-in-law has, um, been forced to move to almost salt free, which is not easy. And he's a big salt dude. He likes salt and I don't blame him. Um, I do too. And I'm not having much either. So now um, Stacey is making him these elegant salt-free meals. Mm -hmm. And it went from, oh, this is stressful to, oh, I got this. Look at me. And last night it was um, dessert. Chili. Was an ap apple she did that. She made an apple crisp that she couldn't get gluten-free stuff on. So she, she took a um, rice cake. And broke yes. that up on top of it and made that the topping. We, and right. we, it was good. And we laughed. Her, her dad doesn't like rice. So it was a little bit of a look on his face when he realized he was eating rice. But we can have some some fun and still find ways to cope with things that change and losses in our lives. Right. And we can stay home and be careful from the virus like our super seniors have to. Yes. And we can still find some fun in connecting with people. Yes. Like yes. us. That's us. Wait, there wow. you are. I got it right. I got you. There you go. <laughs> Other way. 
All right, folks, we'll be back next week with Dr. Amy Parks with the flaming red hair and the fabulous sense of humor. You're going to learn everything about how when you are feeling like grief really sucks, it really does suck because it your does brain suck. is telling you to and your brain is reacting to it. And some ways to make your brain react maybe a little bit differently because she's all that in a box of rocks. So ah. you will enjoy her. Be here with us and uh, we'll see you next week. Be careful out there. Bye, everyone. Thanks for joining.